Blog Talk Radio. I'm a Google I'm a Google Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the 800 pounds of Gorilla Funk in the room. Roundtable Talk Radio, the biggest colored show on earth, with your host, Barbara the Country Cleaning Lady, Adrian Charleston, and I'm your moderator, just some guy named Jay, like I've always been. 
Blacktopia Roundtable Talk Radio is the number one live stream dedicated to assimilating black folks from all walks of life, teaching the importance of economic empowerment for our people, and showcasing the talents and abilities of black people across the globe. This is also the number one blog talk radio show, which I believe is not hosted by a convicted felon or conspiracy theorist wacko, closet lesbian, but hey, we're going to put on a great show just as good as those people too, so listen up. (laughs) Tonight's topic and theme is anything you all want it to be. Call us up after the second half of the show and tell us what you want to talk about. Uh, We'll have an open discussion, finally. (laughs) And uh, also joining us is our guest, author D. Christopher Harvey, to discuss his books, Incredible Ink in 3D. You know, they're available on CreateSpace and Amazon.com. Definitely check out those books. Great reads. Check them out. Bob of the Country Queen Lady will put them in the hot seat and uh, interrogate them like, yeah, <laughs> like a cop. And uh, after that, he'll join us for the discussion. But before we get into all that, I just want to say that you can check us out at www.blacktopia.org. And you can also download and install the Blacktopia mobile app from iTunes, Amazon.com, and BlackBerry World. All right. And uh, before I get started, I also want to give a shout-out to uh, rising Florida artist Mob Boss for his new single, Heart of a Lion. Get more updates on Mob Boss and his music by visiting the official promo blog at www.mobboss.blogspot.com. And that's Mob with two B's, M-O-B-B, and then B-O-S-S. All right. So uh, definitely check that out. Okay. Let me go on ahead and uh, bring on everybody. Starting with the host. Bob the Country Queen Lady. Ask my mom. That was the yep. song you did. <laughs> Well, I mean, you, you I, do a I, lot I of... just don't need to explain. Don't need to explain. What's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> All I can see is wow. The crowd is okay. loving it. The crowd is loving it. Okay. All right, and let's go on ahead and bring on the butterfly. Ladies and gentlemen, the butterfly. Hey. Hello. Hey. How's everybody this evening? Working oh, out. Good, good. Yes, good. Yeah. good. <laughs> All right, well, let's go on ahead and bring on the uh, the guest, Arthur D. Christopher Harvey. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? Hello. Just doing the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate that round of applause. Even though I think I heard it two times before me, but it was cool. (laughs) Everybody gets a round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now, um, now, this is how it goes down. Bob the Country Queen Lady is going to sit you down and interrogate you, ask you a bunch of questions for the interrogation session. After that, around 9.35, we'll take calls from the audience or answers from the people in the chat room. Um, after that, 
you know, we'll uh, around 10 o'clock, we'll take a quick break. Got some announcements. We also have Adrian Charleston with Butterfly Flow. After that, we're going to have a general discussion. And uh, that's our show. So you ready for this? Ready. All right. Barbara, what do you think? How you doing, sir? I'm so uh, sorry. I didn't know. I'm good. Oh, I said how you were doing. <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? All right. I First, well. I wanna, yeah, I know. I was trying to get you a chance to catch your breath because it's not that bad. <clears throat> but, you know, everybody, I want to introduce you all to the author, Mr. D. Christopher Harvey. Um, congrats on your books, your poetry, because I've been reading your stuff all week. Um, okay. And the appearance that you had in um, Walker Flopper's website, Superstars Online. That was awesome. I mean, I read the whole work up on that. That was really nice. Um, you personally, as far as your literary skill go, I mean, a lot of you, I feel emotional in general. And, I mean, I can relate to a lot of that. So I took a very personal interest in all of your work um, and you per se and what I saw in that work. So my first question to you, um, based on your personal life and all the accomplishments that you've had as a writer, um, I was intrigued by that. And the main thing that stood out to me was um, something that had happened to you earlier on in life. And, I mean, being that you were a nice-looking young man, I don't understand why you were shy and introverted. But um, it was said that this caused you to retreat further into yourself. What was that event that happened earlier on, and what prompted you to speak out about it three years later? Wow. Um well, I won't go real deep because it'll be so emotional. I might be crying myself, but my mom got killed when I was 15. But I was quiet before then, and after it happened, I really, really went into the shell, and I didn't talk about it until three years later. Someone brought it up, or you just felt like it was time for you to heal those wounds? I wasn't really healed. I was just able to actually speak about it and kind of get it out. So I guess, yeah, I was, I, like I said, I wasn't healed, but I was able to, and I still don't talk about it a whole lot, but I was able to at least get mm-hmm. it out and at least have some dialogue about it. Cause I was just going to keep it in forever. And I guess I talked to people and they were like, you know, you got to let it out, you know, however you can. So eventually I started doing that. And it wasn't, even then it wasn't a lot. Right. But it was enough. I mean, it's all over your writing. And I mean, for all the literary skills that you have, why didn't you become an English teacher in, in any type of secular teaching or literary professor in college? You know what? That's funny that you asked that. I actually, I was a, I was a, what did I call it? A teacher's assistant for like six months, but I was dealing with emotionally disturbed kids. And they almost beat me up. I'm like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I couldn't last. I couldn't deal. So mm-hmm. that was my uh, experience with that. Um, I thought about teaching for a little while, but I think I didn't like the classroom. It wasn't like a burning desire for me. So once I did the uh, assistant thing, I realized that I wasn't cut out for it and I didn't have the patience. I'm like, you know what, you know, maybe I should should just do something else. And um, I never even pursued that avenue anymore. You do realize that reading, that as I was researching you, reading among black children, that's whether it's private, secular or homeschool is truly becoming 
um, an issue because it's being um, replaced by other means, whether it's peer pressure, electronics, TV. Other things are taking over the importance of reading because I always tell, I'm in two book clubs that I sit in on sometimes, and I always say reading is fundamental. Um, But for you as a literary, I want to say, professor itself because of the things that you've written were that way, how do you feel about that? Because there are too many parents out there who don't want to teach their children to read. I'm seeing more and more in stores books being, you know, on the shelves, collecting dust or bugs because nobody wants to take the time to get a book and read. I don't care if it's a five-minute story to their child at night, but you're okay with them learning lyrics to all kinds of music. Now, though they're learning the, the words and replaying them in their head and seeing them like a photograph, that's not the same as reading the words and having an understanding of what's coming out their mouth that they're reading. So, I mean, for you as a poet and an author, how do you feel about the loss of of encouragement among parents and society for our black children in reading? I agree with everything you said. Like you said, well, first of all, it it should start with the parents first. I think it goes a little, it goes a step further because if the kids don't see their parents reading, why would they be interested in reading themselves? So it's kind of like a full circle thing, like you said. The reading now is replaced with electronics or games or reality TV. So, you know, if they can play Xbox for three hours, why would they want to read for 15 minutes when Xbox is more fun? If the parent doesn't make them read or if they don't see the parents reading, the kid isn't going to be interested in reading themselves. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. The, the parents should make them read something, you know, every night. I, I, I'm from the old school, so, you know, I, I believe that the kids should be doing, like they say, reading, writing, reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, the three hours. So. Right. They definitely should be reading, not just pick up, um, watch watch something on TV or, you know, go online, you know, do, do something like that and think that's supposed to be their assignment or their their reading time. So right. I think wholeheartedly. And I was going to say as a parent yourself, how, especially being a poet and an author, how do you incorporate reading in your children's lives? on a daily basis. I mean, you ain't got to have them sitting down reading a thousand-page book. But, I mean, you know, how do you encourage them and incorporate it, you know, in, in their day and everyday, you know, activities? Well, my daughter's grown, so I don't I don't have a young one anymore. But when she was small, you know, my, mm-hmm. my mother, I'm sorry, my, me and her mother made her read a lot, and it was important, and it was stressed that, you know, you must read and, you know, you must get a diploma, you must go to college, all that stuff. So it was just something that was ingrained. She was a kid, and it was it was actually easy for us because she was the only child. So it wasn't like we had to, you know, take turns with the other ones or you know fight with them to get to get it done. But I think it should start as soon as they can read and put syllables together or, or sounds, you know, because it's mm-hmm. it's something that you need. Like you said, it's, it's sad that they know all the lyrics to a Little Wayne song or Young Thug and don't know what it means, but they recite that word for word, and I can't understand what he's saying, but they can. Stayed off the top of their head. That's like you know, that's you know this garbage, but you don't know how to formulate a sentence. To me, that's embarrassing. Right, right. It is. What inspired you to write the books and poetry? Well, my first book I wrote after I got shot, and that was Chris's Combination. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even really advertise that book anymore because it's it's older, and I should still I should still advertise it, but. Um, 
I wrote, what happened was I got shot in the head, so I was scared I was going to lose my memory. So I wrote every single day for about three months to try to train my brain. I guess mm-hmm. I was doing like an experiment to make sure I didn't forget. And that's when I that's started writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's like a self-test for myself. Is that what prompted you to do the freestyle on YouTube? Because my favorite, too, is spitting and um, in and out. Is that what prompted you to start doing the freestyle? I mean, you laugh, but they're awesome. I mean, is, is is that, too, the reason why you did the freestyle? Because, you know, at least they'll be recorded forever and ever, so you can go back and listen to and look at those. Is that why you started doing the freestyle on YouTube as well? No, I started doing the, the freestyles and the, the spoken word, period. Because people are like, your writing is really good, you have great content, you have great great diversity, but you want to hear your voice. I was just going to write forever and stay behind the scenes. I never wanted to do spoken word. I never wanted to, I never wanted to do blog talk at all. I was like, I can just write, sell these books, and be quiet. And people are like, no, you got to get – they want to hear your voice. They got to see your face. You got to get out there. But that's when I started yeah. doing spoken word, started doing videos and YouTube and all of that. I still don't like it. I don't. But I know that's mm-hmm. necessary to hear you. You can write all day long, but if they don't identify or if they can't connect with you and hear your voice or see your face sometimes, to them, you're a stranger. Right, right. And, I mean, you just spoke about the first book that had something to do with that particular shooting, um, the Chris Combination, but you also did Surrendered um, Inhibition. Was right. the incident that happened to you the only creative um, ability behind both books, or was there anything else? that might have been positive. Because, I mean, from the parts and inserts that I read from the both of them, it wasn't just the events of your life, but there were some positive issues where you where you had glimmers of faith. So, I mean, the creativity behind them, was it just that incident or, or other factors like your daughter, it seemed like in some of the writing was about her. Um, was that other factors to the creativity of those two books? Well, the main one was, the shooting, like I said, because I was, I was testing my brain to make sure I didn't forget. But, I mean, mm-hmm. inside the book, there's there's po- it's actually kind of like a family-friendly book. There's poems about my mom, about my sisters, about relationships. So everything in it mm-hmm. kind of chronicles my life. It's not just about the shooting. So that book itself is what got me up and running, writing the books. And from there, I just bridged into doing erotica and all right. different But things. I was talking about surrendered inhibitions. Inhibitions just seemed like it came full circle with your acceptance of a lot of things. This is what I'm getting from reading what I've read. You're, you okay. come in full circle with your acceptance of things. And, again, like I felt glimmers of your family um, and your daughter and some of the, the writings. That's why I was asking. I'm talking about surrendered inhibition. Was was that geared anything positive? Because that's what I got out of it, that you had a glimmer of hope in that. I mean, is that accurate to say? No. Actually, okay. that would that would go back to Chris's combination because that was like my affirmation of you made it through the shooting, you know, you made it through losing mom at an early age, you made it through the rough mm-hmm. times. This is your combination of you went through all of that rough stuff. Now you, you know, you made it. So let's do something despite that. Okay. That's what I thought the combination because it was a combination of. I felt at that point it was weird because I, I told a cousin about it. She was like, "Why are you the combination? Because it's not the end of your life. You still got more to go." And I said, mm-hmm. that's true, but as far as what I went through and, you know, so early, I feel like this is not the end of my life, but the start of a new, I guess, a new era. And that's why I called it Christmas Combination because of everything I went through before that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then, I mean, time. as I was looking at 
your profile, um, you use a cynical quote to describe you. Smell the roses while you can. Our days are numbered. Why? Why would you use that particular quote to describe yourself? Because I don't, I don't see that in you. Like I said, some of the parts of you I can relate to with traumatic events and things that have happened in my life. But why would you pick that quote to describe you? Because honestly, you never know when you're gonna die. So my thing is, you give a, well, not even yourself, but you never know when other people are gonna die. So you give them their props while they're alive. Because you, you say put it like this: if you wait till tomorrow and they pass away tonight, then you miss opportunity. So you give the people their props while you can before it's too late. That's all I mean by that. Okay. Is that what prompted you to my senses and just what I needed? Because I read the two of those too. And I mean, <laughs> they had man, look, I do my research. Um, they really had a, yes, sir. I got to get to it. Um, they had a poetic emotional effect on me. I mean, was that the intent for those? Like I said, we all read with our own different interpretations for those who know how to read. And you're right. right. When I'm reading, I'm, I'm always critical and people get mad. I'm always critical. I'm looking for an explanation and answer when I read. That's just me. That's, that's, that's the way I learn to read. I'm looking okay. for answers. I'm looking for that. So, I mean, for me, it gave me an emotional motivation behind reading the two of them, um, my senses and just what I needed. Was that the intent for the reader? Was what the intent? For my emotional motivation of those, especially my senses. Um well, you went way back. You went back. You went back to book one, and I'm on. I'm going on five now. No, mm-hmm. um, the motivation of those were just. Um, I think that was like right at the end of a, a real long relationship to kind of fizzle it away, and um, I just kind of put something in there. But how that started, the whole. I'll give you like a little backstory on. Similar um, inhibitions. I was dating a woman who actually used to write poetry as well. We used to write mm-hmm. back and forth, so. I would write something to her, she would write it back, and we would just kind of go back and forth. So, right. And it was weird because she actually wrote in college, and she took classes. She was really good, and she would read my stuff, and she was like, you're really good. And I'm like, no, I'm just I'm just messing around. I'm not ever, you know, near as good as you. And she was like, trust me, you are. So she got me into writing. This is before the shooting and everything. And then she, mm-hmm. and she was like, I don't, want you, I don't want you to ever post my stuff. You know, it's not good. Just keep it to yourself. And I did, mm-hmm. but Eventually, she was like, keep writing. Your stuff is really good, and you should keep on going forever. Just keep on doing it, and I did. Right. So she's the one who actually got me into writing. So when I said, you know, my senses, that was kind of like a, I guess like an old tribute to her saying, if it wasn't for her to get me into it, I wouldn't even be the poet I am today because she's the one who even told me to get on that road. Wow. Have you ever experienced writer's block? And if you did, how'd you beat it? Um, that's a good question. I get writer's block every blue moon, but when it's really, really bad for me, I actually write a piece that that deals with how come I can't write anything. I've written about three or four pieces called um, Why Don't I Write or Why Can't I Write. A couple were called Writer's Block. I'll actually write a poem about why I can't write a poem, and it'll be so mm-hmm. nice. It'll be so hot. Right. Okay. I don't get it too much, but it's... Well, let's get into the current two books right now. 3D and Incredible Ink. I had to get the background on you because, like I said, I was very intrigued by your life and things that I've read and researched. So that was for my personal needs. 
right now, let's get into this. Now, 3D, what I read out of it, and then you had an answer about it being a mental roller coaster ride for the reader. Why would you right. want us to have that connotation about that reading, that whole book? I don't want to keep you on the same level. I want you to go up and down and around, and I want, you, I want to twist around a little bit. I don't want it to be on one plane, one level. Mm-hmm. So we won't, but that's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you had to really keep up from, from start to finish. Um, I mean, there were awesome ways that you did that. I mean, really, to be honest, it was kind of erotic. But, I mean, I'm just going to I just was in that mood. But, I mean, to me, that's what it was. Like, you know, the same emotions you get in the in the midst of either foreplay or preparing to make love. You have that up and down emotion of your body chemistry and all of that going on. You know, your heart rate goes up and down right. in the midst of that. And, I mean, that's kind of the way I felt for, I think, the first short story and the ninth one that I read. That's the way I felt between then and there. Um, reading them, and that's why I just was asking you. I mean, I know, like I said, everybody has their own opinion of what they read, right. but I just want to, sometimes I try to keep still my opinion on how I feel about some stuff, but I want to make sure that it's kind of on the level or in some type of direction of what you really wrote it to me. That's why I always ask you, is that the intent for the reader? Same thing with the Incredible Ink, because I really got to go there with that one. Um, and you being saying a tribute to women, and no offense, because we've been up here talking about a lot of things. I don't know if you keep up with the show. I'm on even on my page. I'm into it a lot into black women's ass because we have really lost our luster. We've lost our way. And then you make a tribute to women. And my my thing to you is why why that in the literary work when there are a lot of women out there. The lines are blurred on how they see themselves and and their role in society, why would you give them a tribute to be understanding as to why you wrote that that way? Why did I write the tribute piece to women? Yeah. Well, in my perspective, from my perspective, women, they get dogged out a lot. They're not, this is related but not related they they don't get the same you know as they say equal pay equal rights for men but it, they're really not you know some people still call women bitches and hoes and all of that so i wrote the tribute piece to let people know that they don't have to treat, talk to people i talk to women like that or even think about them or you know feel like they need to give them that kind of connotation i was raised by a woman i was raised by mainly women um in my life so you know i have an older sister i have about four or five place sisters for the majority of my life i was always around some type of uh, relative that was a woman. So I never used, you know, the word bitch or hoe or, you know, I was taught early, you don't hit woman, you don't hit girls, all that. So my thing is uplift them, build them up. That's that's where I came from. I was taught that when I was probably five, six years old. Okay. Okay. Because, I mean, for me, reading your word, I mean, you left a personal imprint, a literary marker, if you will, on everything that you've written. And it all depends on, like I said, how the person interprets what you've written as to what they take away from it. Right. And from the beginning books to these two right here that are currently being sold on creative, um, I, I've, I've had a life experience just reading from what you've written. 
and we'll listen, like I can this. relate I to a lot of things from what you said. And right. my biggest question to put you on the hot seat, where well, really is two of them. And I mean seriously because of who you are, the person you've become through what you've experienced. Now and where you live, the world abroad, shootings of black men, of black women, of black in general, what is your take on that being a victim yourself? Because we can say for so much how we feel about it and protest all night long, but until we are carrying a scar of a removed bullet or for some never getting removed out of our body, you are carrying the evidence around of what has happened. I mean, how do you feel about the way people exploit this now in this country as a victim and a survivor yourself? How do you feel about it being exploited? About the processing or the shooting period? Are you talking about black on black crime? In general, in general, in general, with you being somebody who's actually survived it and experienced it, how do you feel about it being used? It's supposed to reflect on a better way for black people, but I just, I don't see it. And after reading what I did and understanding what happened to you, I mean, I can't put myself in your place to understand. This is why I'm touching on that sensitive nerve. I want to understand from you, what is your take on that? I mean, you've got to have a view on it. Right. That's a good, I don't think I've ever been asked that question. That's an excellent question. That's a Barbara Walters type question. I'm in the country, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good question. It's excellent. It it kind of bothers me because it, it really takes me back to where, because I got shot in St. Louis. I'm not from St. Louis. So when I after mm-hmm. it happened, I met some people. You know, I met a lot of people because of that. But I met a minister, and he was actually doing this, what was it called, some type of, program where if people get shot or if people are victims of any kind of violence, he was trying to help them get um, support, basically. I mean, he wasn't, you know, giving them money or anything like that, but he was supporting yeah, them. Like he a was therapist, sure that, support group. Support group. Yeah, exactly. Support group, like right, a therapist. Right. Session. Mm-hmm. right. Well, without the therapy, he was just basically saying, you know, if you've been a victim of crime or, you know, anything like that, you know, come and hang with us. We'll, you know, give you the brotherhood that you need or whatever. And we'll be there for you, you know, mentally. So I told him what happened. He was like, oh, man, that's messed up, man. Um, give your number to my secretary, and I'll have you give it to somebody else, and we'll get with you in a couple of weeks. So I mm-hmm. have never heard from him again. But then, you know, when, when celebrity comes in town or somebody gets shot that as a big name, then he's all over it. He's always there. You know, he's marching. Right. and he. So it's like people say they really care about the black on black crime, but it's like, Anyway, they don't just like you said. They only, they only really talk about it. They're only protesting when, you know, mm-hmm. the famous name or famous person or, you know, if a cop shoots us, then they they protest. But why you don't protest when the little girl gets killed? You know, six years old sitting in mm-hmm. her in her kitchen doing the homework right. by a black person. Still, it's still a black killing. It doesn't matter who did it. That's a little girl who lost her life. You know, she wasn't doing anything. She's sitting inside the house. Or right. old man sitting on the porch gets sprayed. By people just walking, running down, I mean, riding down the street. Nobody talks about that, but it happens all the time. And, I mean, mm-hmm. think about Chicago, what happens eight times in a weekend. It's like they they do so much there, it's almost nobody bats an eye or even says, 
Yeah. What's different, or can yeah. we, you know, what should we do about the gun, the gun sales, or you know, it's like that's just Chicago, Chirac, so we shouldn't even worry about it. But still, mm-hmm. crime, still a black person that lost their life, and now it's so deep that it's right. not just black men losing lives, it's black women, which is even more scary mm-hmm. to me. Well, that bothers me. I don't know how we're gonna stop it. How does it make it. you feel about black people? And, and I mean, it's not because it's, it's come to the point that. Black-on-black crime is, has become a political platform for even some of our black leaders, as you just said. But how does that make you feel about black folk in general? I mean, I didn't read that they found the person that did this to you or your mother, and, it, and it's got to bother you that this criminal may still be out there. And, I mean, yeah, how does it make you feel every day, you know, to look at another black person and not feel, is this the one that, well, black man, and not feel, is this the one that did it? Or, you know, can you trust your own people? I mean, it's, right. emotionally, it's got to come at you some kind of way other than what somebody can use to exploit. And I'm asking you because I don't know who's listening to us. We have a plethora of listeners. Somebody out there could have went through what you're going through and not knowing how to process this information. So exactly. to be honest, instead of I just got an um, inbox but somebody said I was asking you a personal question. So <laughs> close your ears right oh. quick so I can say this. We are on Blog Talk Radio. This is Roundtable Talk Radio, Blacktopia. My name is Barbara, the country cleaning lady, country. When I interview someone, it is meant to get to the bottom of the person personally for the person to inbox me because I'm not going to blast you with your name. Don't you ever inbox me about saying something that my guests may not agree with because it's very important everything said that can benefit someone else. So I'm not going to say That's right, girl. Christopher very well, yeah, and I want to say if I befriend him, he may not. Mostly Christ stuff that's on my page, sweetie. But for this kind of stupid-ass response, this is what I mean by reading is fundamental. Read. Now, back to you, Chris, because I'm sorry. that I mean, I had to just say that right quick because the person knows what they're talking about. Again, we have a lot of people out there listening. Someone may be going through this very same scenario and dealing with it in a very different way. You took your writing and everything about you and tried to make it positive to use it um, literally. To right. help, you know, I guess heal yourself. And in the meantime, if someone's reading it, I was an abused child. So I took it my way to help me. And I just went, I experienced the death. My mom just passed. That's what I called her. It was an older white lady I took care of. Okay. I, I used it in my own means to help me through my process of healing. So the information is being used in a positive setting. I just have to get the truth from the person that it happened to. I can't make up a version of what went down with you. If right. you understand what I'm saying, and for the ignorant person that said they said, I don't make up what's happening to you guys. I come at you as honest and pure as I can in my poverty, and ask you the questions that I know some people may not ask. But sometimes it's good to have that opening because you never know who's going through what you're going through out there. Right. You may have found acceptance and been able to deal with the situation. But some people you know, if you went to those support groups, even at one time, you know there are people still dealing with it that haven't come to any closure. Mm-hmm. That's why I asked you what I asked you. And it's sad because it's your own skin color doing it to you. I mean, you know, this is the world that we live in. That's right. why I was asking you how do you 
feel about it because again, I mean, I know when you look at black folks, especially black men, if it was me, I'm asking myself, is this the one that did it to me? Because I have no closure, I have nobody behind bars. And I mean, and, right. and not that you make it your everyday to, if you understand what I'm saying, that you're not making it your everyday to worry about this in the back of your mind. I don't care what nobody say, it, it may still be there. I knew it would be for me. Right, right. Exactly and then, you right. know, somebody precious like my mom plucked from me. I can't stand man, but I know you love yours. Plucked from me, like, you know, petals off a rose behind something ignorant and senseless. Not even mm-hmm. something she did to someone. You know what I mean? Again, a lot of things are harbored within a person behind those kind of actions. You know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, is is there any way that for anybody going through that, you can give them some insight on how to help them deal with it? Well, yeah, I can. The only thing well, – yeah, I can. I was, I was about to change what I was going to say, but I'm not going to change it. The only thing that really kept me straight or kept me grounded was my my strong spiritual belief. If it wasn't for that, I probably would have been, you know, out there doing something stupid to somebody else trying to get revenge or, you know, I went the gang route or lost my mind with the drugs. But I was spiritually grounded from probably four or five years old. You know, I was in church as I was when I was a little kid. Um, my, my aunt that raised me, well, even before that, my mom was Catholic, Roman Catholic. So I remember... And I must have been probably, I don't know, eight, nine. And I was an altar boy. I still remember being on the altar with the incense and shaking the incense and all that. So that mm-hmm. kept me grounded and kept me, you know, my head on straight. And that's the only thing that really kept me from not going crazy after the shooting. So that's what, you know, like I said, I was able to talk talk about it after a while. But because of that spiritual background, that's what, that's what kept me sane. That's it. Other than that, it wasn't the counseling I received. It wasn't talking to people. It wasn't to support groups. It wasn't, you know, even talking to relatives. It was just knowing that I was going to be okay in a little bit, you know, as they say, in the meantime. That was it. That's right. the main thing that kept me sane was my belief in God. That was it. I was still hurt. And then, and this is why I didn't talk about it too, because when you go through something like that, you always ask God, why did it have to happen? Why didn't you save this person? You keep, you right. keep, and that question is, after you ask that question so many times, you don't get the answer. Some people actually start to lose their faith. So that's where I had to, like, really, really focus. And, you know, they told me, it was like, don't ask. You know, it happened for a reason, and you might get it later. You might not, but don't lose your faith. And that's what that's what kept me going positive and being, you know, sane, literally. Okay. So that would be my advice is to make sure you have a spiritual background or at least try to talk to, you know, some some deeply spiritual people. And get some kind of some kind of background and some kind of meaning behind what's going on, just to keep you, you know, okay. So you're not thinking your world's coming to an end. Oh what? Now aside from the other places, now let's get back to the books. I just wanted to get that cleared, and I hope that helps somebody out there that's going through it now. Um, right. 3D and sin. If I wanted to purchase those books or um. Go somewhere and read them. I know I go to Barnes and Noble for y'all stuff and all, but I mean, if um, and my clients do it for me. But if I wanted to buy the books or go somewhere to read them, tell the listeners where they can go to get these two books. Both of them are on CreateSpace.com. CreateSpace is actually owned by Amazon, but they're not as big. But a lot of people don't know 
unless you've used them before to publish one of your books. Amazon owns CreateSpace. CreateSpace is actually the vehicle, or I should say the tool that prints all of the books that people do when they go self-publish. So you can you you publish the book on CreateSpace, and then Amazon puts it out on their site, so they have a big name. But CreateSpace actually is the one who prints the book. So if you buy it on CreateSpace, it actually comes from Amazon as well. They just have the big name. And then the writer mm-hmm. or the author, I should say, gets a bigger cut because on Amazon, they take a larger percentage of the royalties from books. So that's why a lot of my friends now say go to CreateSpace and don't worry about Amazon. A limited middleman. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for my interview. Go to the cart and all of that stuff and just, you know, comes to the shipping and all of that. Same concept. It's just, it's like going from, you know, Walmart to Costco. It's the same, same, same item you're getting, same service and everything. Okay. Well, I thank you for the interview, Jay or Butterfly. Y'all have any questions for the author? Um, before yes. we get to the yes. uh, oh, good. Adrian, before you uh, ask your ask your question, I just want to say, uh, callers, you can give us a call if you're listening in on the link. Give us a call at five one six three eight seven one two one nine. We're talking to author D. Christopher Harvey about his books, Three D and uh, some Incredible Ink. Uh, and you can get on Create Space, like you said. Um, and uh, if, yeah, if you're listening to the link, give us a call at 516-387-1219 and press 1. And if you're streaming from your phone, all you got to do is press 1. We'll bring you on. You ask them some questions. And uh, and tomorrow night on this network podcast on demand, we have the uh, Wednesday night poetry special. I apologize for getting the promo out really late. I've announced it, but I didn't do any real promo for it. I apologize. But we have a poetry special tomorrow night uh, at 9 o'clock. Uh, for Wednesday Night Poetry And our headliner will be Author D. Christopher Harvey And uh, we'll also have Tina Wright, the quiet poet We'll also have Alicia Melton A.K.A. Sunshine Black Rose And we'll also have uh, Miss T is Queen They'll all be performing uh, Opening up For uh, author D. Christopher Harvey So uh, <laughs> Oops, I apologize for the lateness But, uh, but tune in we're still going to be uh, throwing it down regardless. Uh, and I'll be hosting, of course. All right, Adrian Charlton, here's the mic. Yeah, and make make sure you post it so everybody can see it, too. Oh, yeah, it'll be posted. Okay, if not yet, make sure you post it. Yeah, not yet, but it's <laughs> <laughs> I had something behind. Just a reminder. Uh, I'm in a mood today, so I don't know what I'm about to say. But first, I want, before I, I ask our guests, some questions. Um, I do want to say to Barbara that, in my opinion, I don't know how y'all feel about it, this will be the last time that we take in anonymous inboxes. From now on, if you're going to read an inbox, say the name, because they should have either called in or not sent you an inbox. <laughs> they are now on notice, so from now on, That's- anybody that sends an inbox, good, bad, or indifferent, your name will be called. How about that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that oh. Oh. <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah, Harmon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, put them on notice. Put, they're on I notice know. now from this point forward. Like, Chris already oh, know oh, me. Oh. If he has 
No, see, Chris had to listen to my friend request, so I mean, I don't want to make it look bad already out the gate. So I tried to be as nice as possible. I don't think and I said are. anything offensive or out of the way to him. I've been doing this interview and saying way too long. So, right. yeah. yeah and you boring. never knew, so. Well, I'm going to put somebody on blast that inboxed me about the show just now since we're doing that. Uh, Miss Tia's yeah. queen inboxed me and said, yeah, yeah, post that shit. About the show. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Make sure well, now you, you got to call in and press one because we know you're listening. <laughs> you guys are no country. No, we cannot do that. We have to do it properly. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to give them a fake nickname or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, my inbox is so, going crazy sometimes. It's good, but see, you said the name. You said the name, and it's good. I, I don't like this anonymous stuff. I know, right? <laughs> That's that Facebook user. I wish they'd get rid of that. That is so annoying. And maybe my phones are too old. I mean, they're still $200, but maybe they're too old for the um, blo- unblock it, because I keep trying to unblock it, but I can't. And then one or two uh-huh. of the people, their name will actually pop up there, but I just, these are people in Blacktopia. I don't want to cause a rift with my boss about his followers. Okay. I'm trying to stay professional and not get mad. Yes, And I'll tell y'all again, nobody contacts me, so... I'm no, good. they don't, because they know you're going to put them out there, Adrian. See, <laughs> I have to walk that thin line. But I'm telling you, I've already crossed over crazy. I'm trying to be, I'm just trying not to do that, at, you know, because it, it, two wrongs don't make a right. But I did want right. to justify because I don't know how Chris felt, and I don't, you know, want that on his man going forward, finishing out the show. So yeah. I, have, I yeah. have his concern in mind as far as my guests. The care less about right. the jackass did what they did. He is my concern, exactly. or whoever's in his seat, like it happened last week. Whoever's in that seat yes. is my concern at that time to make sure that they're comfortable and to make sure that they're willing to give that information. So if he would have felt like mm-hmm. something wasn't appropriate, Chris, you still there? I'm listening. And yeah. if there no, was something you felt like you did not want to answer, would you have politely told me, no, we don't want to talk about that? Yeah, I would have cut you off politely. I, I wouldn't be able to. But no, you didn't bother me. You didn't okay, bother that's me what all. I thought. All right. Yeah. I just was the wondering. Bob Lawson's question. Okay. Yeah, that's how we do it. Well, uh, right. well, we got. I actually know who's in the queue right now. We got somebody that pressed one. She uh, she inboxed me and said, nah, put me on. Fuck that. So let's go ahead and do that. Miss T is queen. She jumped up here. You got the mic now. Oh, oh! I think I accidentally unmuted the mic back. Let me, let me unmute it. Sorry about that. Uh-oh. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with blog talk. Hold up. Uh-uh. Well, I'm uh-huh. asking no, question right now. No, quick. no, no, W-L-I-N, not right now. Not today. Uh, Christopher? Yeah, not, hey, I had question. a question. Yes, I'm, I'm going to go ahead with my question. Stop talking, Jay. Hey, my question is, what is the first poem you read in public? Why did you choose that, and what is the favorite, your most favorite poem you've ever written? I know that was a bunch of questions, in, but, yeah. Who are, who are you asking that to? I was asking uh, Christopher. Yes, you're the caller, so you got to wait your turn. The, my, it, it, 
it's working slow. That's why you're on now. <laughs> well, uh, after, yeah, you asked that uh, the guest. You're not the guest. You were a guest a couple weeks ago in this piece. Stop talking, Jay. Go ahead, Christopher. Okay, so you said the the first poem I I read in public. Yes. Question. (laughs) Wow. You know what? It was probably a piece of my first book. I don't remember the exact poem, but I remember the the scenario because Mm -hmm. it was at a. It wasn't a poetry place. It was more like a kind of like an open mic place at this little hood club. And it was, I mean, it was hood when they were smoking weed in the audience. So I'll never forget. And because the guy, the comedian was, this comedian was the host, was the host. And he was like, we're going to, you might come up and they can sing, you can rap, you can do whatever. He was like, we got a poet in the house. So I came up and read a poem. And as I was speaking, the people were talking real loud. They never got quiet. Then they got booed. And I kept on going, but I felt so bad. I'm like, I almost got booed off the stage. And I was like, oh. at that point, like I said, this is my first time doing poetry in public. I'm like, I'm never going to do it again. I was like, I hate it. This ain't for me. I'm never coming back. I'm never. It just almost made me feel like I was about three feet tall. Oh, I uh. talked to people that were like, <laughs> yeah, the people I talked to were like, dude, you went to the wrong place. It was like, next time you go, make sure you go to a poetry place. They said, the place where you at was a hood club. <laughs> They don't really, really like poetry. That's, they probably can't even spell poetry, so you just went to the wrong place. Don't take it personal. I never went back, and then I talked to somebody else, and they're like, yeah, they like it all the time with everybody, so don't, don't even trip on it. And, I, you know, I understood then. But I'll never forget that because it was my first time. It was rough. And then about a year later, I went somewhere else, and it was almost the same scenario, but they weren't as bad, and they were talking the whole time. And I got probably about six people listening. That was probably about 200 people in this building. And probably half of them were talking. When I got done, the host told me she was like, "I'm proud of you because you kept talking, you kept going." She said, "Even though people were rude, she said the people did mm-hmm. that did hear you. They really loved you. They felt your poem. They liked it. I'm glad you kept on going. You kept professional." And she just gave me like a little, a little stipend for doing it. She was like, "Don't take a person when they don't listen to you. They don't, you know, get quiet. Just keep on going. That's what you did, and I appreciate that." So, I guess I learned a lesson from the first time when I got booed off the stage. <laughs> Yes, yes, and it's like that um, sometimes. Yeah, but it's just like it almost kills your ego because you're like, are you that bad, or are they just you know, you know, not the right crowd? But you got to keep on going. Most, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not the right crowd, and we I've experienced that a few times. So. Right, right. Um, okay. As far as like my favorite poem, though, I don't really have. I've literally written over two hundred, two thousand poems, so I don't have like a favorite poem anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to have one called, um, and this is funny because I always say the last one I wrote is my favorite one because I'm not loyal to any poem. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. I like them all. So I don't have a, I don't have a favorite. I don't have a favorite anymore because I just write so much. Mhm. Okay. Cool. I'm sorry. We can go ahead to the caller now. I'm sorry. Y'all can go ahead. All right. All right. Miss T is Queen. You got the mic now, Jessica. Now we're we'll talking to you. <laughs> well, hello, hello. How y'all doing tonight? This is Miss T Queen. Hey. How you doing? Okay, so I wanted to say to uh, Arthur D. Christopher Harvey, you know, I've been in the poet game for a long time, and I've always liked your work, so congratulations. I will tune in tomorrow to support you and everything. Well, and, uh, you're performing tomorrow. 
But she still has to listen. Oh yeah, yeah. Let her talk. Hush up. Okay. (laughs) You know what? And that's why that's why I had to make sure I came on because I was listening and then he was like, You were saying to go ahead and post that shit. I was like, yeah, go and post that shit. Like, we need to know what's going on, what day, what time, what number. And we definitely would come and represent. And I appreciate you doing your thing. It's nice listening in on another show and getting some different type of vibes. So I've been appreciating listening to y'all tonight. And congratulations to your special guest. And I would definitely be here tomorrow. All right. Thank you, Miss T is Queen. I can't wait to hear you tomorrow. That's right, girl. Ciao. <laughs> and I just want to say Ooh, real quick, I've actually heard her spit before, and I can't wait to hear her spit again. I heard her on her show, so I'm looking forward to hearing her do her thing again. It's been a while, but, yeah, I've been listening to her for a little while. I know she ain't no rookie to this game. Yes. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. If I'm still here, if I can say one more thing, since you are yeah. uh, a special guest, uh, Christopher, can you give us like a pre sample of what we're gonna be hearing tomorrow? Can you spit something for us tonight? Uh, <laughs> well, why you put me on the spot? Well we we have to have another caller. Uh so I wanna go on ahead and, and bring that caller, uh take that call. Uh, uh, stick around, Miss T, uh, because Christopher, if you want to, um, you know, spit a piece later on in the program, you're welcome to. You know, after the after the segment. All right. Good, good. Thank you for that, Miss T. I'm going ahead and take you out with a uh, with a. That's right. Now I'm going to take you out with a gunshot. There you go. No. Wow. <laughs> I said okay, it, and don't use it again. Oh, my God, that's how I got it. I got it. Okay, all right. I, I think I know who this caller is, but I'm going to let her say it. Caller in the 843-412, you're on the air. Who is it? Hey. Hey, this is Erica Redon. How are you? Hey. Hey, Redon. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm great. Um. Is that country? <laughs> um, I enjoy. I am enjoying the show. Um, yeah, I asked some great questions, and I'm enjoying the conversation. And the answers was um, also great. Um, I did have a question. How? But I, I think I'm gonna be a little silly because I think mm-hmm. I kind of know um, quite a bit about D and D. Congratulations. Um, you. you are. Um, a distinguished gentleman, a wonderful friend, a great big brother, one that I always wished I had for. So I'm so proud of you, Um, you know, everything you do, um, you know, even when you fuss at me and stuff, but I know it's always in love. But um, I'm just so proud of you. It's like you just keep building and building. It's like nothing is stopping you, just like you said, um, Early in the conversation, you have that spiritual, um, you know, background. You yeah. hold on to that, and I think that is really blessing you and taking you um, to places. Um, so you're seeing all your dreams come true, and that's great. So I just, I'm just like 
on the sideline, looking, loving it, and you know, of course, you know, I'm your in your corner cheering you on. So, just want to say that. Oh, thank you. I won't be silly too and say how much I have to pay you for saying that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I mean, I guess I can ask you a serious question, and I want to ask a silly question. So, um, am I limited to questions? That's Jay. No, um. We're going to be taking a break in like four minutes. So, oh, not okay. limited to questions, rush it. just by time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I want to say Oh, oh. Huh. Well, I want to say we, we could go into. If you want, if you did, if you had time, you could actually, uh, we'll let you back on after the, uh, after the segment. If you wanted to ask a question, that way he can take more time to answer it for you if you'd like. Would you like that? Oh, I mean, oh, okay. So, I, okay. So it's going to still be questions about, um, the author at that time, or yes, okay, okay, yes, ma'am. And I, okay, well, my first, huh? I said for that, you can ask two more questions if you want. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'll try not to be too wordy and stay too long. Um, but just a serious question first because you have been in the writing community for a long time. I mean, this is what your third or fourth book, right? Fourth, I hate that I don't, fourth, right. So my first question is, what is your role, or do you think you have one, or what would you like your role to be within the writing community? Do you see you already have one, or what do you what look for? What is my to role be? in the writing community? Yeah. Wow. I don't think I have a role. I think my my I would tell other people who are trying to write or new writers just. Write from your heart. Don't keep it in. Don't bottle it up. Don't try to copy anybody's style. Write, write what your heart tells you to write. That's my my motto. That's what I use all the time. That's what I would advise anybody to do. This getting getting a new writer or aspiring writer, anyone who wanted to write a book, write from your heart. That's what I always say. That's my thing. Okay. And um, silly question: <laughs> Do you hide any secrets in your books that only a few people are gonna get? <laughs> I don't know why I'm finding that more funny than anybody else. Um, I don't call them secrets. I have written huh? I have written poems about certain people that they never they would never know, but I wouldn't call them secrets. I mean, it's nothing nothing made up or nothing um, derogatory, but most of it. No, I'm not saying it in a derogatory way, but you know, like sometimes as a writer. You know, sometimes you write about experiences. Um, I know me, you know, sometimes just you, you, you try to write something and then something within your subconscious just spills out all over the place. Um, and, like, say if you might be talking about it with someone, you know, you, you just try to, like, maybe hide it a little bit, you know, cover it up. Just the details, just so anybody won't feel no way. It could, it, it could be something that could be pain-related. It could be love or whatever. For whatever, you know, anything, not necessarily derogatory. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I have to admit I have done that. And I don't even try to hide that. I just, you know, change the names, like you said, to protect the innocent. Yeah, I do that quite a bit. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. That's just adding to the character, that's all. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, we're about to uh, get into our break. Thank you for that, Red Dawn. Actually, if you want to stick around after the segment, if you want to ask some more questions, uh, we'll let you do it because we're actually having – you know, open discussion, and we can talk more about about the about the author. Okay, I'm sticking around. I'm enjoying the show. 
Thank you so much for coming around. Okay, bye. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I'm talking over you. Okay. We're going to start this break, and and I'm going to try not to talk over anybody. So uh, if you're listening to Blacktopia Presents Roundtable Talk Radio with your host, Barb the Country Cleaning Lady, Adrian Charlton, and some guy named Jay. And uh, we're about to play this song from Fly Drexler. Title Bring You Down, and we got some commercials, and we come back, we got some announcements, and Butterfly Flow, stick around. Okay. Yeah, Blog Talk is messing up right now. The, the, the sounds are not playing. Okay, just, 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 just bear with us, because the song's not playing, but it's... Uh, okay. Well, actually, Erica, while we refresh, you got another question you want to throw? That author, right quick. So, I'm sorry. Um, I have put myself on mute. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, uh, what cultural value, um, do you see in any of your writings or, or, I don't know. That just came from the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> what culture values do I see in my writing? Yeah, I mean, I know you do. You because you do. You write in so many different genres. Okay, maybe a good question would be for you because you do write in so many genres. If you was to make up your own genre, what would you name it? What would you call it? Because you know, I'm people are that. doing that these days. I've seen it. Hmm. I would probably call my genre. This is gonna be silly too, but I would call it wild and freestyle. Because wild and like freestyle. To, yeah, because you know, because there's always it always goes to a different avenue that you think it that you think it did. Um, I would like to be known as the erotic poet because I'm just a plain poet, you know, and I write different things. Um, I don't do a lot of the conscious pieces or a lot of religious pieces. And then there are dark pieces that I can touch on them every now and then. But, I mean, you know, a lot of times when I write, I just become a whole different person. I become like this wild, almost like a, well, you know, my, my kid name is the uh, Divine Demon. I come from, I go from this, the quiet, shy, nice guy to like this, this you know, crazy demon, demonic person. Demonic <laughs> like, if that makes any sense. So that's why I say the wild part. So... Um, the writing just allows me to become a whole different entity, and I like that, and that's why I do it so much, because I can just venture out to a whole different person or even a different personality that really is not me on a regular basis. And that's why I choose to just get out there and write as much as I can and try different things to, what's the word I'm looking for, push myself. Okay. It's diversity, because you are diverse. Um I try. My main thing is I don't want to be predictable in my writing. I don't want everyone to be predictable. So I'm going to change it up as much as I can so someone can't say, oh, I knew you were going to write that. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, okay. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many tag names do you have now? Like, is there a member, like, first meeting you is, oh, gosh. Uh, I think I kept it. Krista Gifted and uh, three. Oh, okay, three. What are they? 
back well, and know? Christy Gifted was the first one because people said that the writing was a gift, and I agree with that. So Christy Gifted came first. Christy Gifted is a nice guy who does a little bit of the, uh, just a little bit of the spiritual stuff or the, um, I call it the sappy stuff. That's Christy Gifted. Um, and then, you know, David Mike, he came up with Divine Demon. And when I joined Wolf Hours, he also started calling me, um, uh, what was the other one uh, that I never use anymore? What's the erotic that, name? That would be, no, erotic name. I think about that because I don't use it a whole lot because now I'm so into Divine Demon that I don't even really um, use the other one anymore. Um, oh, Okay. My thing is just read what I write is gonna be good. That's all I say. I mean I don't I don't get into the whole, you know, who's this character, who's just read it when I write it because it's gonna be good. That's all I say. Because I'm guaranteed. Well, I gotta I know. Write- you just said you do the, you know, you want to get into it. So I gotta know which character is talking. But I always put the tag name at the end. That's why I always do that so you know who wrote who wrote this because it's never gonna be the same personality. That's all it is. So. Um, mm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well Erica, it seems like you got a lot of questions. Uh, I think that Kristen is going to want me to play. Uh, but definitely, yes. when we come back uh, from from the break in the segment, we will uh, bring you back on. You can ask some more questions and uh, some things I want to ask, too. So uh, we're going to ask all of those. So let's go ahead and, and get ready for this, uh, for this break, finally. Uh, all right, here we go. Okay. Okay, let me just play a commercial. I, it's not letting me play anything, commercials or anything. Uh, okay, let's see this. Okay, no commercials. I guess okay, the good thing is you haven't lost any calls yet. Yeah, yeah, we still got the... Uh, I, I forget it. Well, actually, you know what I do? I got to plug some things right quick. Um, and then we're going to do Butterfly Flow, and then after that, we're going to go straight to the questions again. So uh, so just hold tight, everybody. Um, forget the sounds and the questions. Uh, I mean, excuse me, forget the sounds and the commercials right now. Shout out to all the sponsors. Uh, you can check out all the sponsors at www.blacktopia.org. Check them out. Um, all right, welcome to the second hour of Blacktopia Presents Roundtable Talk Radio. This segment of the show is known as the Old Church Lady Announcements. So I have some old church lady announcements, then I'm going to pass the mic to Adrian Charleston uh, for a new edition of Butterfly Flow. In 2018, we will have our first official Blacktopia convention and conference in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll have workshops, booths, meet and greets, live. I am in pen heaven. I committed suicide in an inkwell. Poetry breathed life back into my... Yeah, what's up? It's your girl, Linda B. Let me find out you got that big boy TV, but you only get in hospital station. Uh-uh. Let me find out you got that flat screen TV plugged up to a converter box because you too cheap to get cable. Let uh-huh. me find out every week you down at the bootleg man trying to get new movies because you're running out of stuff to watch. Shame on you. I'm here. That's what I do. You want cable? Hit me up. Oh, Bill, no problem. I got you. Cable too high? I got you. Dun, 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 dun. We can do this a few ways. You can either call me, I can call you, 937-287-0736, or you could go to my website, lindaebrown.acndirect.com, or we could do a three-way call. 
What? A three-way call? We could even do a three-way call. Shut the Hit me door. up today and you can have cable tomorrow. Yeah, I got your back. And remember, with God, all things is possible. Have a good day, world, and I'm out. Damn, girl. I ain't seen you in a long time. You done lost some weight. That's right, girl. Child, I've been using this new product, Total Life Changes Tea by CurvyButHealthy.com. That's how I lost the weight. Child. Now, wait a minute, girl. So all you're saying I got to do is drink this tea and I can go to the bathroom and piss these calories out of me? Well, not quite. What it does is speed up your metabolism, curb your appetite, and give you the nutrients your body needs so that it can help you shed the pounds. And, girl, you can lose the weight and keep them curves, too. Well, girl, that's exactly what I need. I'm trying to look good in my bikini when I go down to the beach. I'm going to go to curvybutthealthy.com right now and order about 10 cases of that tea. Yes, yes. 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 Order Total Life Changes Tea from curvybutthealthy.com today. Yeah. I'm going to go to CurvyButtHealthy.com and order about 10 cases of that tea. I'm going to go to CurvyButtHealthy.com. I'm going to go to CurvyButtHealthy.com. All right, thank you all. Sorry about the, uh, the, the, the tech issues. The things want to play on their own <laughs> instead, of, instead of playing when I make them play. So, uh, so let me get back to what I was saying. Definitely check out all the sponsors, get the products, get the stuff. Get Tammy Thomas' book as well. That, that messed up in the middle of it. Uh, you can get her book, Emotional Soul of a Poetist, on Amazon.com. Definitely get that. All right. In 2018, we'll have our first official Blacktopia convention and conference in Atlanta, Georgia, just like I said, when I have workshops, booths, meet and greets live, music, speakers, all of that. That weekend will be one, be- one big ecosystem. Not big ecosystem. Big ecosystem for supporting black businesses, black talent, and spreading information and education. Keep checking back here for more updates and information on the official Blacktopia conference and convention. Hope to see you all there. Uh, okay, and the next thing I want to say is uh, if you love Blacktopia and you love the website and you love the show here and you, uh, you love the app and you love everything uh, with the Blacktopia brand, you can make a small donation. <laughs> everybody, everybody wants some money, don't they? You can make a small donation to us on the Blacktopia Patreon page by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Blacktopia. That's patreon.com forward slash Blacktopia. Your kind donation to the Blacktopia Patreon page will go back into funding uh, and patronizing other black-owned businesses. And a portion of the donations will go towards our upcoming Blacktopia conference and convention. Patrons and fans that make generous donations will be treated with new and exclusive content that's only available on the Blacktopia Patreon page. And, uh, and only those who make the monetary contribution will have access to those exclusive material, uh, have access to that exclusive material as a reward for your support. Again, that's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash blacktopia next week 4th of july you know but that's just a a, a day bob the country cleaning lady will be in the hot seat this time we will be interviewing her adrian charlton and myself will put barbara the country cleaning lady in the hot seat we'll interrogate her like a card uh excuse me like a cop not like a card oh my god i can't read (laughs) and uh we're going to get all up in her business and we're going to get straight nosy (laughs) 
So uh, you know how Barbara's always nosy with the guests. We won't get nosy with Barbara on on Fourth of July. So if you're not barbecuing and 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 celebrating uh, White History Month, you can tune in to Blacktopia uh, next Tuesday for the Fourth of July and hang out with us. All right, let me pass the mic to Adrian Charleston Butterfly. Thank you for being patient. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm 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 doing all right. <laughs> okay. Um, you know I always ask you to spell Patreon because it's not like a normal word. So when you ask people to go to it, make sure you spell it. Oh, I spelled it this time. You heard me, didn't you? You need to spell it tonight. I didn't spell it tonight. Okay. You weren't listening. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he, yeah I did. I did. If you listen to the replay, you can hear it. You just do it out. I'm not listening to right the All right. Anyway, <laughs> this is Adrian Charleston with Butterfly Flow. Um, on tonight's Butterfly Flow, I want to talk about um, saying or doing what is on your heart. A lot of people ignore your heart. You think a lot of things through, which is not a bad thing because sometimes your heart can lead you astray, but sometimes you have to follow your heart in order to be okay. And sometimes your heart can lead you where you need to be and that's what I want to talk about today and I will talk about me because I don't know what the rest of you all have on your heart or what's going on with you but I will say that um, I am a thinker I stay in my head a lot I am a Gemini so we're always thinking we see different angles we see all sides of things and it's always something going on in my head so it's rare that I listen to my heart So I have decided to listen to my heart in certain matters, in matters of love, in matters of what I want to do next in life, in matters of life. And sometimes it's all about listening to your heart because your heart can lead you to your happiness. And once you're listening to your heart and it leads you to your happiness, you are doing what you want to do. You are living the life that you want to live and your head will follow because your head is the one that's going to get you there and make the plan to get through what your heart is taking you to. So, um, yeah, so every day the post, I made a post on Facebook, and it was saying that every day you don't listen to your heart is a day you'll never get back. So just be mindful of what your heart is feeling. Now, keep in mind that doesn't mean to go willy-nilly into bad situations. We know that that part you need to use your head. But if it's not going to hurt you, it's not going to hurt anyone else, and if you feel that it's going to enhance your life, follow your heart because sometimes that's where most of your gifts are. So, um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to say any more. This is Adrian Charleston with Butterfly Flow um, on Blacktopia Round Table Talk. Thank you. Yay! I'm making my own sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> and I can keep talking since Jay is gone. But um, I, I really came to this topic. Oh, Look, yeah, I'm yeah, keep talking. I actually uh, was muted. Um, but the sound effects oh. they want to play, they want to play. Nothing's working right. The music, the sound effects, nothing. <laughs> Well, I I can do sound effects and I can sing. You ready? No, okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, okay. All right, that was, that was Adrian Charleston with Butterfly Flow. She does this every week 
on Black Smokey Presents Roundtable Talk Radio. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to uh, get back into this. And, uh, again, Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Blacktopia. I spelled it already. Spelled it again. But, but, uh, but there you go. Go to Patreon.com forward slash Blacktopia and make a donation. Even just a dollar. Even just a dollar. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, okay. And um, another thing you can do is purchase the books from Arthur D. Christopher Harvey. I still have your mic unmuted. Uh, you can actually plug the books again. And then after that, Red Dawn, you can pick the mic back up and then ask them about the questions. I know you. I know you. Use some more stuff you want to ask them. <laughs> D. Christopher. I am here. I was waiting oh. for. I didn't know if Erica was coming back on, or but I heard him. I appreciate yeah, the. Uh, we'll shout out again for the books. Again, the books. The the last two books that I did are. Three D, which is. Six Amazing Short Stories and It's Incredible Ink, which is a culmination book of, I shouldn't say culmination, collaboration with um, a brother of mine by the name of David Mott. We did about 100 poems that were all erotic, very, very hot, intense, spicy, love poems, erotic poems, all passionate, all really, really excellent, um, mind-blowing erotica in the book called Incredible Ink, both available on Create Space. Oh yes, definitely. Thanks for plugging that. Definitely get those books. And uh, also, I want to say, author D. Christopher Harvey. He's been featured on on many things. Waka Flocka's website, Superstars on Mag, Fifty Cents, This Is Fifty dot com, Black Vibes, uh, Blacktopia. Uh, been all over the place. And plus, I want to remind you all, tomorrow night on blogtalkradio.com forward slash podcast on demand, we're going to have the Incredible Inc. Poetry Special starring author D. Christopher Harvey as a headlining poet. And we're also going to have the opening acts, Miss Tia's Queen, Tina Wright, and Sunshine Black Rose, also known as Alicia Melton on Facebook. So definitely check that out. Uh, Erica Taylor, uh, I, I definitely would have had you, but I wanted to keep the, the you know, the poet, the, the three spots. And I know you had you on three already, so I wanted to give some opportunities to some, some, some new poets, if you if you don't mind. But I definitely want to have you back. Hello, am I muted? Hello? I can still hear you, bro. Oh, okay, good, good. Somebody hear me. Red Dawn, you still there? Yeah, I was muted. I didn't know I was supposed to talk. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. When I said your name, I, I, that was that was that was my way of talking to you. Yeah. Talking oh, to you. oh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. That's that's fine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, and also Red Dawn is a Gemini too. Yes, we're all twins. All twins. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, quintuplets or trip trip triplets. Yeah. All right, Uh-oh. Erica Dawn. Excuse me, Erica Taylor. I mean, Red Dawn. Sorry, I, I see you got five. You can call me Erica. <laughs> I don't have a lot of names. No, I don't. You're just getting them confused. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I like Erica Dawn. I just made that up just now. You should use that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Red Erica. Red Erica. 
Yeah. No, I don't like that. Okay, Erica Red. How about that? Okay, okay. We're still working. All right. I'm going to pass you the mic, and uh, you can ask us some more questions, and we're going to tag team it. And uh, also, callers, if you have some topics you want to throw in there, like I said, we're just free-forming it tonight. Uh, Give us a call if you're on the link, 516-387-1219, and press 1. If you're streaming from your phone already, all you got to do is press 1. Or you can also (laughs) inbox me or Barbara anonymously like you've been doing. (laughs) No, 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 you better call up into the show. All right. Oh, okay. I mean, I was just kind of taking stuff off the top of my head. So, um, but I mean, I can pull some more stuff off the top of my head. Um, um, unless, unless D is going to, or is there going to be like a poetry? Are we going to hear poetry from Mr. Harvey? Well, unless, uh, uh, unless you want to do a poem, you're welcome to, but if you want to save it for the special tomorrow, that's fine too. Uh, oh, okay. To My bad. Yeah, it's not. We, we do poetry tomorrow. Wednesday night poetry. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep that for a minute. Save for tomorrow. Yeah, okay. We'll keep for tomorrow. So I'll be tuning in tomorrow. I'll be DVRing my, all my other shows for my for my brother tomorrow, too, then. Okay. Yeah, definitely watch them later. But the shows we do now, that, you got to be live for this. Uh, this is the biggest yeah. show on earth. Yeah. Yeah, Blacktopia. I like Blacktopia. You guys do a great job um, as far as building your brand, um, incorporating um, people into the group, and, and just promoting people, period. So I am proud to be a part of Blacktopia. I'm appreciative and thankful for being a part of some uh, uh, of the other shows you did with Tammy Thomas bringing her out and um, I forget the other artists. Oh yeah, we do them all. I might, I might have been one of those Red Dawn. <laughs> Adrian? Yes. Is that Adrian who said that? Yeah. Yes. You were on it too. Yeah, you were on the show yes. too, correct? Barbara, okay. was, Barbara was on there too. On one of them. Okay. Too. But, okay, but you were, you were spotlighted you read poetry Yeah you read poetry right But yeah I can't remember who was being Spotlighted though Yeah, Tammy, But you Tammy guys Tom. are a great team Like you all work together I love country She's so crazy but you know She's really nice um, big hearted person um, I don't really hear you As much Adrian or um, see you posting But you know from what I hear I love the um what you just read a little while ago and you're a Gemini. So of course you're down. So that's just what it is. And Jay with his crazy self, but you know, he's a good guy. Um, So I really like Blacktopia. I don't know how um, I was initially brought into Blacktopia, but um, I'm glad D Harvey is now um, a part of Blacktopia too, um, to grow his brand and be a part of it. So that's a good thing. So, um, so this is about D. So let me just bring on some more questions. Um, off the top of my head, if you had a superpower, what would it be? <laughs> wow. What would it be? I think I would want to be. It isn't gonna sound weird, but I think I would want to be invisible. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like I'm invisible now. 
Yeah, oh are you kidding goodness, me? Yes. <laughs> I'm serious. You are I'm not so invisible. <laughs> not tonight, I'm not, but sometimes I feel like I am. Mm. Oh. I get it, though. Um, I, I get it. <laughs> so you mean invisible as far as um, things can be overwhelming and you just want to be, like, more in the background type of thing? Or, like, what what do you mean by that? No, I need to. No, I, I don't I mean, get it. <laughs> I mean, like, when you walk in a room, say you walk in a crowded room, say it's 100 people in a room, but nobody sees you. You walk past people, nobody speaks to you. You know, you got on the best clothes, or you think your best clothes. You look good, you feel good, you smell good, but nobody speaks to you. Nobody, nobody notices you. It's almost like you, it's like you're invisible. That's how I feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. No. I feel like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, you are a low key brother. You're not like one to. I mean, like when you know you're you're online. You know, it's for your performance, for your writing and stuff. But you as a person, you you know, you humble, you down, you know, down, you know, low key. So, you know, you're not no loud, boisterous type of a person. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm laid back. And I'm not real. I don't have to be the life of the party. But a lot of people also say that I'm intimidating. So that's why they don't don't speak to me because they feel like I got this mean Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, so you're going to have to relax that that face. A little bit, D. Okay, when you walk it around, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not the face. face. It's his. It's, it's his not. Aura, probably. It's his energy. Oh, okay. I yeah. Told the same thing. That's why. That's okay. why I was like, I get it. I walk into yeah. a room. People notice me and they speak, but they don't talk to me, and that's kind of like a difference. People will speak and then they'll veer away, like I did something or said something or I have, but I've been told that I'm intimidating. So when he's like, I'm, you know. He would want to be invisible, but he is invisible. I get it because yeah. when I tell people that people don't talk to me and, like, guys don't approach me and stuff doesn't happen to me, people don't believe it because they're like, oh, no, you're, mm-mm, no, people don't see me, people don't talk to me. So it's the same stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the same like when people used to come to me and I and I would think that I'm smiling and I look happy, but they would come and be like, you need to smile, so that type of thing. So that could be intimidating. Or do I look no, just mean? Because I used to never I'm get smiling. that. <laughs> I smile and people still don't talk to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, gosh. I'm always, always smiling. It can be, people say it's too confident, it's too, you know, something that people don't understand so people don't approach it. So that's probably how, okay. you know, like if I was in a room with D. Christopher, I would probably notice him because I always notice the people that move quietly and with confidence. I talk to them first because they're, observing and I like observers and right. uh, okay. we would probably be the only two people that would talk to each other because everybody <laughs> right. else in the room is afraid to talk to us. Exactly. I, ain't afraid okay. to talk to y'all. <laughs> I wouldn't be either. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I'm not afraid <laughs> you would to talk be to wow. I don't well, know. I wouldn't be. Yeah, I guess because even if I That's thought why. that <laughs> I, I guess even if I thought that, it would just be something in me that just want to still pull something out of that person, even if I had that even in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To see if I yeah. can be the person to pull something different out of them. So I don't yes. think that that wouldn't bother me. <laughs> and you, But you have this natural curiosity, so you're going to talk. Right. Because you're going to want to yeah. know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Right. Most people aren't like that. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting answer. Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. Let's see. Hmm. 
okay. Do you have any strange writing habits? Like, do you Mm. have to have a certain pen? Do you have to have, be sitting, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking of these off the top of my head. (laughs) I don't really. Well, no, the answer is no. I don't have any strange writing habits or practices. I don't have to be in a certain place or it doesn't have to be real quiet or anything like that. Um, Most of my writing comes to me while I'm driving or while I'm laying down (laughs) there, believe it or not. Oh, my God. How do you do that? Do you pull out your recorder? No, I just I keep a little notepad with me everywhere I go, and I just if it's, if wait a minute, busy, you be writing and driving? Unfortunately, I have to admit, yeah, I do. I actually wrote a whole poem. Oh. <laughs> I wrote the poem on the highway, but no, there was no traffic. I was coming from Oklahoma, and there was no traffic on the highway. I put it on cruise. And I put my knees were controlling the steering wheel, and I wrote a whole poem while I was driving. Danger oh, breath. Right, right. Because yeah. I get thoughts too driving And I used to um, People used to say oh you need to start recording You know do that or whatever You know I'm always in mm-hmm. an odd place where I can't write The shower, the car yeah. Get ready to go to bed When I, everything is all you know uh, Okay okay. Yeah. I normally yeah I'll get up in the middle of the night And write I'll type it up on my phone If I can't if I don't have my book beside me and Yeah mine normally comes when I'm resting Most of my stuff comes better When I'm resting Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, I just one more one off my head, and let and you know anybody feel free to jump in. I don't want to be doing all the talking. Um, this is probably be helpful for me a little bit. Um, what is your least favorite part of uh, the writing process, or or should I say the publishing process? Because you, you you've been publishing your own book, correct? Yeah. Yes. So. What's your least favorite part of that process? The marketing. The marketing no, part? No, okay. Yeah. Let me tell you something real quick. Let me tell you something real quick. Uh, yeah. See, that's why, you see, I, I love it. Christopher Harvey, he hooked up with me and, uh, you know, to, to, to get him some more publicity. So when you post that hate the marketing part, you holler at some guy named Jay. You know, and I, and I hook you up, get you out there, followers, expose you, some book sales. Email me at blacktopiabusiness at gmail.com or thegiantblast at gmail.com, or you can inbox me, Jonathan Coleman, in Blacktopia. You know who I am. Get at me if you want to get your books out there on different platforms and you don't want to do all that. Because there's more more to it than just sharing on social media. I I can get you on uh, some high-trafficking blogs and websites. And, uh, yes, uh, yes, you're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> All right, he just marketed himself. Good job, Jay. Well, I'm kind of all out. I'm kind of all out. Never huh? all out of questions. I was listening to you do it all. I was going to let you finish Me it too. Come on, man. I know you got some stuff. <laughs> but I got a question for all of you guys as authors and as writers in general. Why isn't there more book fairs? being presented, especially with books being the cheapest thing that you can find in. I'm quite sure everybody has a dollar store in their area or a five and dime, as they call them, to, you know, furnish snacks and water. There's nothing wrong with drinking water. How come book fairs are very far in between in the black community? 
for our children. I mean, I'm, I'm sticking to that because I'm, I'm seeing even in the church setting when I used to do Sunday school, and I kind of um, stood up with somebody Sunday folate, and a few of the children, this is ages 8 to 15, couldn't explain to me some of the words they read. Some of them couldn't read some of the words they read, yet they were promoted to the next level. That bothered me as a business owner in a tax sale because I know they say no child left behind, but how the hell you going to push your baby somewhere when things they need literally and words come up in contracts, words come up in verbal agreements. If I don't understand what I'm reading, I am no good to myself or whoever I'm responsible for if I've read that out of context and I end up jamming myself up legally. So, I mean, for y'all, what's happened with book drives concerned? Are there any programs that any one of the three of you are in or know of that can promote reading for the children where you live? Um, well, me personally, I, I think it might be more so advertising um, because when I go to the library, um, I pick up, like, you know, they have the little flies on the counter, They'll have, mm-hmm. like, what's coming up, and sometimes they'll be listed in there. And, you know, the little natural awakenings, they have the little free copies you get. And all those things. They're, they're listed in there, you know. So maybe it's just um, being not being advertised, maybe just, like, on a social media aspect and just maybe just print where everybody doesn't know that they're going on. That I'm just speaking from my area because I do see some. Right. Mm-hmm. I see very few from between here and Norfolk. Um, because yeah, one of the librarians told that. me in the library up the street from me, she said the only way you can get the parents or the children to come is if you <clears> offer <throat> something free. And I said, that's sad. So the, the, the ability to be able to read for free ain't enough. She said, no, if I don't throw a free piece of pizza in there or a bag of chips, we get very few children that come through. Unless the parents just want to get rid of them. Yeah. And I'm like, the priority for reading is a big issue. Right. It goes back to the question we had earlier when somebody said, how come mm-hmm. reading isn't pushed on the kids now like, like mm-hmm. it was, you know, 25, 30 years ago. It's just mm-hmm. parents don't think it's important anymore. So that's why the kids don't read, the parents don't read. So it's like, you know, there's, I guess they feel like there's not a need for book fairs because nobody's reading. Everything is digital or it's on Facebook or on TV. I don't even know a lot of people yeah. go to the library anymore, honestly. Right. And I will say when I go places to sell my book, I'm, you know, I sell books, my son's shirts. I have a lot of stuff on the table. But when they see the book, they're like, they look at it. They're like, it's a book. I'm like, yes. <laughs> they're like, you wrote it. You know, it's right. like, did you write this? Did you do this all by yourself? Like, is this all your writing? I'm like, yes. Oh. Right. And they're perplexed. For one, yeah. you know, not only is it a book for sale, but it's a black woman who wrote a right. whole poetry book. By herself, <laughs> I'm like, right. wow. And that, that's not that's not really too far fetched from the truth of being crazy that black folk upon black folk are looking at you like that. Um, one of the other members in here, Y.M. Sheree, had a book mm-hmm. um gathering where her and some of her other authors from her page, her support page, were in Richmond at a Richmond library in Richmond, Virginia, and she said folk came to her table and said the same thing to so a few of their mm-hmm. tables. They didn't realize that there were black authors out there 
I'm like, you didn't, unless it was erotica with somebody standing in the phone. So really black yes. people, me, I would have kind of got offended on me in the home. So you saying that a black person can't stand here and write a literary uh, piece without it having something nasty said, a cuss word, or, you know, somebody being blue. They couldn't just mm-hmm. write something from the heart. You know, I mean, right. that's why I say our perception of each other, our perception of society has gotten very distorted. The lines are blurred. And again, mm-hmm. it goes back if you don't have the fundamentals of reading, you don't understand hardly nothing. You get that warped sense of, of, of understanding, and that miscalculation, that misunderstanding of truth is what causes all the rifts and, and bridges burned that we have among each other in our society because of that. Because me personally, I've just been proud to see a bunch of black folks sitting there doing something positive. My thing was mm-hmm. this clapping. I mean, like y'all say, y'all go into a room and it's quiet and all. Me, I walk into a room, I'm getting loud immediately. So everybody be looking at me crazy, and if going, I'm not going to sit somewhere for five hours and be bored. Now, unless it's important and I'm going to make some money, that's different. But if it's a gathering where we need to be interacting, oh, trust me, Miss B is either going to take something off or we're going to get this together and get it right. I'm not going out there to be bored for five hours. That's not my thing. Those kind of functions I do not attend unless I have no choice. So, you know, that, I mean, I, I just I don't understand us and, and seeing each other rise above things and, and prevail. And in the first breath, you want to yell Amaya Angelou, one of these other powerful black women, not Terry McMillan, authors, hmm. but you don't understand what the hell you're reading. You don't get it. You you read mm-hmm. it and go black power and pump your fist in the air, but do you really know what you're pumping your fist for? Do you right. really know the movement behind what that meant? And that's what makes me sick about our people and their training it to these children, the misconception of everything black. Mm-hmm. You know, is it and bad even- enough that the media and, and other other means are making it bad? Like, we talked about this a long time ago with the goddess, Sammy Thomas. It's like, oh, the goddess. long time ago, we talked about this on the show about two years ago when Miss Marie was up here. And I told y'all that they were talking about changing the law and taking out black history out of some of our history books. Don't you know? And I got more black Negroes in this city, in Virginia, in this state, that allowed it to happen. There are only three, four, or maybe seven lines. I saw one of the one of my class children's books that are black oriented left in the social study book. The social, the black history class that was um, scheduled for the AP students. That's you know the upper grade kids. Y'all know what it is. The AP kids was removed. Now we protest about more welfare. We protest about free things, but nobody went and protest about leaving that literature for these children to get the proper legacy. And I just shook my head because I said, "Are y'all serious?" And this was a white parent house I was at, and she got mad because she was like, "I know how you are." She said, "Let me show you something." And she bought, went and got her son's social study book. And she was like, "Look, Miss B, look what they did." She said, "We talked about this. They took it out." And she said, "Me and my her husband and a couple other white folks were standing in the group protest. Folks told them leave the group because they won't black." So she said, what difference does that make when I want my child to learn the proper history of the people that he, he has to get along with for the rest of his life? She said, I don't, I don't understand that. And I said, I don't either. And they went on to do what they were going to do. So it's, very, it's maybe a paragraph in there of black history. Where we used to talk about the slavery and the Underground Railroad has been broken down into small lines. They no longer carry a whole four or five pages. They only got about a paragraph or a half a page. And we allowed that. 
but you protest mm-hmm. the wrong thing. That's, that's what I don't understand about us now as a black culture. Where did we go wrong with this? Right. And what I was, oh, oh go ahead. <laughs> Were you saying something, Christopher? No, I was just agreeing. With, I, I agree with everything she said when she said, "Where do we go? Where do we go wrong?" I agree, and it seems like technology kind of, I wouldn't say led us astray, but you know, everything now is so easy, and you know, even with the iPhone, you talk to Siri, Siri can read for you and look up stuff for you. You don't have to look, you look up a definition anymore or use encyclopedias right there on the phone so it's like you know you don't have to do any research anymore and the thing is um to be honest as we talk about you know our people not reading they weren't reading up on black history anyway there there were more white people who know more about black history than our black children and as you were talking about you know my Angelo and all the other stuff. When it comes to poetry, a lot of times that's all a lot of black people know. So when you you come out and you're you know you're Christopher, you're Red Dawn, you're me, or you're Barbara, it they want you to be the poets that they know of. They want you to be you know my Angelo or you know something like that. Oh, you can you know or Love Jones. Like that's that's their point of reference for right. what we do. But that's not what we like. They don't understand different parts of, you know, black people of who we all are or who, you know, our history or because even when you go back to to black history, all they talk about is Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, maybe Frederick Douglass here and there, some Rosa Parks. Like they don't even the history books. That's all they had. They weren't going into much of like Huey P. Newton and the different areas of black history that have, you know, helped catapult us or helped invent these things that people are using now or things that are in place now that they tried to take away and turned it into government programs and turned it into something that was not started by, (laughs) by what they call, you know, radical, but it's, yeah. So it's not necessarily that they they took it out. They didn't have much in there to begin with, and we need to work on getting our children to to look further, to look beyond. And I know, you know, you say the technology, but sometimes that can help for the ones who want more, who want to look up more. And for the ones that don't, you know, there's um, garbage on the Internet. So that's. Just my two cents on all that. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. But we did have a little bit more, though, Adrian. We did. 80s and 90s. I mean, we were annoyed with it. But we did. I mean, looking back on the old, old books, because I found one long time ago from my grandma's house that I had, and we did have at least two pages. I mean, damn. The black man did get two pages in the book. At least two. We went two from two pages 20, to now 2017 to a paragraph. Yes. So, I mean, we, we've gone way from basically a little bit to now absolutely nothing, you might as well say. This is why the mm-hmm. kids are distorted and don't have a proper truth. And, I mean, even if they mm-hmm. Google it, you you got to know how to read to be able to understand what you're reading. Right. And, right. and a lot of them don't. And I'm still to the point, how did these kids get promoted? that was sitting in that Sunday school class for me, and I tried with everything in me with the stuff I was going through to not be – um, judgmental, 
And some of the kids were looking at me like I'd never seen that word before. These were, The word judgmental itself was in the Bible, and mm-hmm. one little girl couldn't read it. And then some of the words, I took them out, and I said, y'all spell these for me. I gave them at least 10 of them, big words. Mm-hmm. Even between 8 and 15 years old, they shouldn't know how to spell those doggone words. Some mm-hmm. of them got them completely wrong. And I didn't get mad. I let everybody get through. And I said, now I'm going to ask y'all something that has nothing to do with church, nothing to do with Sunday school. I asked everybody a rap song. I asked everybody to give me what's huh. the popular closing, what's the popular phrase, what's the popular um activity that the kids, they could tell me all of that. And I said, let me explain something to y'all how that has nothing to do when you step out there in the world like I am and no one is going to give you that break. Because, see, you can't pull on your childhood no more. Now, some folks do when they yell insane by mental disease and defect when they go to jail. But that's a different mm-hmm. thing than trying to pull on your childhood. But trying to live life and go away, I can't afford to pay for that right now. Your behind is still on the street or your car is towed away. See, nobody mm-hmm. wants to hear that or the lights are cut out, the water cut off. When you cannot relate properly to what you need to live <clears> and to advance in life, those activity things, like I told them, those leisure things are not going to get you back. And I don't know how y'all got paid. I didn't want to say it with being mean, but they know me. Mm-hmm. Most of them know that I'm just honest with it. And I said, I'm telling you out of love. I don't know how y'all got passed when you can't spell these simple words that, like judgmental, environmental. You can't spell these words, what is going on, that you got passed or not in summer school to refresh. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. a lot of parents say they didn't feel like putting them in summer school. They ain't had time because that meant more time with or preparing a lunch and the bus. That was something the children told me. Their mom ain't had time for summer mm-hmm. school. That meant more bus rides and more waiting at the bus stop they didn't feel like doing. I'm sorry, you kidding me? They were like, no. We asked. One or two little girls said they asked to go to summer school. Not to play with their friends, but because they didn't want to be embarrassed going to the next grade. Their mom was told them mm-hmm. she had, they ain't had time. They didn't have time for that. You don't have time for your mm-hmm. children to learn. You know, I just. Well, I know here sometimes it's not about the time. Um, I think the pay, it's like they had to pay for summer school, and I know some of the parents were unable to do that. But that was pretty tough, too. So I guess mm-hmm. it could kind of go in all different directions. I guess yeah, depending on where you live at. Being about the kids. <laughs> yeah. Everybody but definitely. Yeah, I mean it's hard. Um, it's hard. Yeah, but um, there's just so many different things in the way sometimes. But definitely, I mean, mm-hmm. if it's free, there's no excuse why you shouldn't be getting there. I mean, yeah, free. You don't have to transportation. Pay. I know back yeah. in the day, I, um, I don't know how much it costs yeah. in y'all states, but here in Virginia, to get that GED is three hundred dollars a pop. You don't get a second chance when you miss when that person get through grading and say you failed. Your bag got to come back with three hundred more dollars, no matter where you get it from. And there is no grant or nothing else to help you waylay or waiver to waylay your way. They make you pay that full three hundred and I think sixty, excuse me, three hundred sixty dollars each time you come back. You know how much money you didn't wasted when your bag could have sat there for twelve years yeah, and paid attention. Cool. You don't got it. Right. I don't care if you did graduate with a D. At least you graduated and ain't got to go through that. And mm-hmm. I never understood going to clean the floors and clean some of those buildings where they held those classes. I shook my head at some of them folks. Because I'm like, why would you waste the opportunity to do this all for free one time, 12 years, and get it done? Now, if you're coming back to something extra, like us going to college, is different. But the, but the mm-hmm. basic secular that was given to you for free, 
Why did you screw that up and turn around and now your job demanding you have something? Now you got to waste half your paycheck, take from Paul, you know, Paul to um, get a pedal in order for you to get this done to keep your job. And I heard a few people not, complaining. Um, I don't know why they're asking for this. Well, you should have already had it. Exactly. Had it and I was about to say, it's not it's not 12 years because most of them stop at like 10th and 11th grade. So they really only mm-hmm. had a year or two to go. So it's not, right. you know, they're right there. And I ask people that all the time, like, you, like, why? You know, oh, it wasn't for me. That's not what I need to do. And nowadays, a college degree is the same as a high school diploma. So you have to yep. get some type of college degree just to be marketable for yep. anything in life nowadays. Including the restaurant. Including mm-hmm. the restaurant. They're getting to the yeah. point. And then, you know, a few people are yelling about this, so it's a white thing. No, it's not. Nobody wants you messing up their money. Now, you can you can take it any way you right. want to. I'm a business myself. Don't ask me to come work for me, and I'm looking at 10th grade education, because I'm going to tell you kind of no. Right. Because when I go big, I need you to be able to understand what you're reading. I can't have you mess up my business. Put me in a legal situation. Like I said before, put me in a legal well, situation I'm now stuck in. Now I got to go find uh, a million-dollar well, attorney to get me out of it. When you should have understood uh-huh. what you were looking at by hand at education. Well, so it's not uh, about a color uh, issue. Well, you know, I want to throw this in there about the education. Um, now, I know, Barbara, you're speaking for yourself. You know, uh, you know, you wouldn't hire you know, anybody that doesn't have a certain uh, level of completion. Um, but I, I really, I, I would like to get to know some of the people. You know what I mean? Like, because sometimes you can't really go by that. I believe there's some people who have all these uh, suffixes. I mean, at the end of their name, they, they have ABCs. MBBs and B, all these shits because <laughs> they, they, they've got all this higher learning and they're some of the dumbest people I've met, you know, that, that are incompetent mm-hmm. and do something where there's some people who have a GED or, or, or just gra- only graduated high school and maybe took a short session at a, a community college somewhere and they're excellent at many things. Um, I, I, I don't think it's that black and white. I don't, I'm not knocking uh, higher learning. I'm not but, knocking people get being educated. Wait. But I'm, I, I I sometimes don't think it's the the end all uh, be all to 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 your skill set, you know, because I, I, that's that's just what I'm I, I'm saying. Yeah. And it's not, and I don't think that's what Barbara was saying. She said if they no. didn't have anything, because in your your statement you said if they had a high school diploma, GED, some associates, and all that stuff, that's all education. She was saying if they don't have any, if they didn't go forward right. to finish with that they GED, can't, they can't work stuff for like me. that. They can't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. Oh. I think you didn't hear what I said completely. No, I, I don't I don't really care one way or another as long as you can work with your hands. Ben doesn't have a college degree either. You know, he has a high school diploma. Yeah, the man know way more mm-hmm. than some of the PhDs that work at Norfolk State and PCC with him. That's not what I'm saying. But if it comes to my money and they tell me I can't, they look at everybody now individually. If they say mm-hmm. I can't have you on that floor in their building to make my money, I can't have you there. Yeah. And, and that's so not my fault. Money. That's what I need to make me right. That's that's what I need to make my money. That's what I'm saying. Because I've had people oh, yeah. that have worked for me in that sense. But now in the business section, they're now asking for that. Every little mm-hmm. nook and crayon of a person they're looking at as far as image. I'm going to put it to you just like that's what the lady told me at the um, city hall building. We went down there for the bid on one of the um, the naval ports. It is about image. The image mm-hmm. starts from the name of my business 
to the look at what I'm dressing, to the look at how I talk, to the people that are, they would even ask you to bring three, four people with you of your employees, the people that surround mm-hmm. me, the people that work for me. All of that plays into the image of your company. And if it does not set with the way they want and the kind of money you're asking to be paid, you will not be hired. That's how that goes. Mm-hmm. And I can't get mad at them because it's not their fault that somebody lagged behind and don't have what's needed. But it's now being asked upon for a lot of people now because they're realizing that people can't read certain things, don't understand what they're reading on, on the material or, or different chemicals, mixing them wrong and messing up furniture, and then you got to turn around and take it out your feet to fix their stuff. Right. See, every, everything becomes a part. And I didn't realize it had gotten that bad till I, till once mom passed, I didn't have to get back into this. My nerves were getting plucked already because the things that they're now asking for, I kind of understand on one level, but it, it puts way more weight and way more research and workload on me on the other mm-hmm. to make sure it's pulled off. And then it's sad when you got a lot of people standing there that are being turned away because they don't have the qualifications and the requirements to work. Oh, yeah. And right. I, I also want to, I think, I want to say this right quick for all the, we're having experiencing more problems with Blog Talk Radio. For those who are pressing one and stuff like that, you just just just, just inbox me. Um, the sound effects ain't playing. A lot of things aren't working right now, so, uh, so Blog Talk is messing up. But still, uh, you can contribute if you're in the chat room. Um, you know, trying to call in, you can just pop your questions over. If you, I know a lot of y'all are in Blacktopia. You can tag us in a post or something like that. So definitely do it. We're going to keep the conversation going. We actually have about 10 minutes left or less. Uh, but, yeah, we'll keep it going, and we'll make our closing statement. We won't let you know that. Yes. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I do agree with part of what you were saying, Jay, that it's not, not all about education because, you know, just like anything, interviews, all that stuff, everybody comes, you know, with their representatives. Like I, because that's who you have to show when you first meet someone. So it takes time to get to know someone because even like, you know, federal or state jobs, stuff like that, you're on probation for a certain amount of time. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, people can hold it together for for a year. Like people can hold together for a year, for two years, till that probation period is over, and they be like, "Oh, I'm in here now," you know. <laughs> so, yep. so you never, just like in relationships, you you never really, really know someone until certain things happen or situations happen or your money come up missing, you know. So that's you know you have to go by what what's written. You have to go by the interview. You have to go with your gut, and you know. Hey, like my butterfly flow said, go with your heart. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you have to go with your heart. So it's 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 difficult to get to know someone before you hire them. So very difficult. Because like I because you and you know you can know somebody to be wild and out there and doing all kind of crazy stuff, and they can be a great worker. You know, mm-hmm. so just you know, some people know how to separate, some people don't. So. But you're putting restrictions down, though, Adrian. That's what I'm saying. For my business, I don't know about anybody else's, but mine, there are great restrictions now because you're around more expensive material. You're around more, um, you know, people because now more people Mm -hmm. are being inclined to their offices, like the vice mayor, mayor. Um, in, the, in the civic building and in the city hall building, you got the vice mayor, the mayor. You got all these kind of folk dignitaries coming through there. You can't mm-hmm. have somebody standing around on their iPod singing some type of rap song and these folk walking through. I don't care what you say, right. whether they're black or not, if they got that spaghetti behavior, you will be reported. 
And that, that's yeah. just how it is. And I had to tell a few people that had worked for me a long time ago were there for the bids when I went last week. I had to explain to them because they were like, two more people got fired. I said, because you cannot have that attitude. I don't care what you see. Nothing is in mm-hmm. black and white. There's always someone competing for your spot. You better always act like mm-hmm. it's the last thing that you got. If you don't, they will take it from you. You have mm-hmm. to understand what you're doing, and your people must understand. You can't say, well, this ain't my company, so I don't care. Well, then you're going to get fired. Right. That's right. how that goes. You're not going to stand between me and my money. It's simple as that. And when it comes to stuff, to you know, what what you do, you never – I've been in a um, working environment before where coworkers have gotten cleaning people fired. Like, oh, mm-hmm. they talking to me too much. Oh, they saying mm-hmm. too much. Oh, they do. I'm like, leave them people alone. Let them, if you don't mess with them and let them do their work, they ain't going to mess with you. But you start talking to them, they're going to start talking to you. Now, there was some that would come by and speak and some that mm-hmm. would try to hold conversations, but other coworkers be like, I don't want them talking to me. I'm like, and get messing around, get them fired, and they, the company brings somebody else in. I'm like, y'all. Right. So I tell right. them, as soon as somebody new starts, I'll be like, look, don't talk to nobody. Don't speak unless they speak to you because they, they will get you fired and somebody else will be in here tomorrow. We only have a few minutes left. Uh, Eric, Eric Taylor, is there anything you want to say, right quick? Okay, sorry. Um, no, great show. Um, great listening, great conversation. Thank you. Great, well, great you. feature. Great people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. And if it, for all y'all that, that think Blacktopia is great, definitely make a donation. You can make a dollar donation at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Blacktopia. Uh, author D. Christopher Harvey, is there anything you want to plug right quick? Anything you want to say before we wrap up? Well, I'll just plug the books again. Um, it's Incredible Ink and 3D available on Create Space. Also, I've never done this before, but the next person who inboxes me about the books, I'll send you one free. Next person inboxes me. Either one. Oh, oh yeah. Everybody will be inboxing. I'll you know, definitely hurry up with that. <laughs> and you can find him at Arthur Arthur D. Christopher. Yep, Arthur. You got to get him. Harvey. Yeah, that's I was trying to get his name. Arthur D. Christopher Harvey on Facebook. Right. Appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, that's our show. You listen to Black Topia Presents Roundtable Talk Radio with your host, Marvin the Country Queen Lady, Adrian Charlson, some guy named Jay. Fourth of July, we're going to be talking to Barbara. She's going to be in the hot seat this time. We're going to flip it around. Yes, And yes. Uh, that's it. <laughs> yes, yes. That's our show. Yay. Everybody have a good night. Night, y'all. Are you finished? Are you good night. done? I ain't got no more talking. <laughs> <laughs> you got the <laughs> I know that's right, girl. Good night, y'all. Night, Chris. Thank you. Good night.